he does is catch the football. That's, that is beautiful. That's why I came to West Virginia, man. Ding dong, the witch is dead in Arizona. He's a totally energized Heinz Field, the power of the Renegade song. The backyard brawl, man, against Pitt. Look at that. Oh, there's Rod Wolfley. Wow! They came after Donovan McNabb, went after him. They played to win the game. Everybody's going bonkers, even the referees. Oh, those, those look like some sticky gloves right there. We talk about 50-50. Right now it's 50-50. Who's going to get it? Game came with cover zero. Man across the board. Pick up a flag because, hey, and then with the Renegade song, even flags don't count. He's going to get an Italian army behind him right there, just like Franco Harris. My goodness, that is pure guts. Give me a pepperoni roll, man. Hello, friends. And welcome to the first episode of the Three Wolves of Football. My name is Dale Wolfley, and I am the youngest of the Three Wolves, of the Wolfley boys. And it is truly, truly an honor. And it's a pleasure. I'm excited. I'm humbled. And I'm fired up in the right way to introduce my two brothers, who I have so much love and so much respect for. And, and don't get all, like, crazy at me because we're just doing this, getting it out of the way. But, you know, like older brother Craig Wolfley, 12 years in the NFL, Syracuse grad. Well, maybe not grad, but Syracuse. <laughs> Let's just call it a certificate of attendance, okay, shall we? Well, we will say you were there for four years. The same with you, Roddy Paul. Uh, <laughs> you know, but I guess Craig is the oldest with the Syracuse. And then you have Roddy there, who actually is a Mountaineer uh, – in uh, college, and he's still proud to be one, I'm assuming. Of course. And at this time, I'm going to get it right. You are 10 years in the league, brother. Yeah, that's right. 10 years in the National Football League. Taste it. (laughs) And then I said you're actually in the uh, Cardinals Hall of Fame, which you are not. So I want to make sure that (laughs) that we get this started. You are not part of the Cardinals Hall of Fame, although I think you should be. But, hey, welcome to our show. Derry, go ahead. Hi, everybody. <laughs> come on. You know, I'm sitting there waiting for you to come up some great stats or something like that. You know, let's do something where, you know, we got a rolling intro. You know, maybe we come in, we come running into the room individually or, you know, or or maybe, you know, you, uh, I don't know, do something. But, you know, now you just go, oh, it's you. Well, yes, hello. I am the oldest guy. And by the way, yes, I still have not gotten my tooth in. Okay, so Ed Zooks, it's coming. I'm going to get my stunt tooth in sooner or later here. All right, but yes, it's good to be on with my two brothers, and the three wolves of football officially begins, and we move forward. Yeah, wait a minute, Craig. I just hold on, Pony. Let me just say this: as of today, I got a text from you, Roddy Paul, said, "Hey, what's the name of this podcast? This show? We've been talking about this for months." Well, yes. I want to know, did you really not know it was the Three Wolves of Football? Well, you know, once again, I thought it was something like that. Again, uh, the Three Wolves of Football, I I was saying Three Wolves, One Football, you know, whatever it may be, or something like that. Listen, I just want to say this. I I am really jacked up because we've never had the opportunity of working together, all three of us boys, actually working together. And, man, you know, uh, we're talking ball. 
We're going to be talking football, of course, some hardcore, in-your-face, old-school football. We're talking faith about our God. We're talking about our family. We're talking about food. I mean, the four Fs of the Wu Fang Clan, which is what we call our family, or at least I do, the Wu Fang Clan. It's the Wolfley Clan. Four Fs. Faith, family, football, and food. And I'm looking forward to it with you guys, man. And with you two, it's a little funk, too. Yeah, right. <laughs> Be careful how you say that. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope he would remind you. Yes, and we're going to get to this tooth now because I have to explain it because it's just no way that last week that we had talked, we did some shots and some you know, ad stuff for advertisement and come together talking for the show. But you explained it. How, how did you lose your tooth, Mr. Tough Guy, offensive lineman, uh, you know, big-time Steelers guy? You got a big old missing tooth there. Right there. You know, I mean, l- let me just put it this way. You know, I'm having some chicken wings, and I got a flat, and all of a sudden I'm taking that thing and I'm doing the old – you know, peel it off and everything else. But then I go in a little deeper because I can tell there's a little meat there that I kind of lost. And you know, a fat guy, you're going to go for that last bit of meat. You got to get it, right? It, it'll, it just, it gets after you. You know, you, no, I'm not going on it. I got an extra blue cheese. I got a little more meat. I'm going to get it. So I did. And all of a sudden crunch and the tooth goes. It's like great googly moogly. Are you kidding me? After the thousands of wings I have slayed in my lifetime, a flat, a chicken wing flat takes me down. Think about it. I played yeah. almost my entire career in, in the pros, 12 years, without a, a lousy mouth guard, right? I've boxed. I, you know, you're getting a scrape or two and stuff like that without a mouth guard. It's just, it's just something that happens, right? But never chipped a tooth. And then, you know, you come home. And remember Hoopy all the time, our mother, Hoopy, right? Yes. She grabs you by the mouth and she goes, let me see those teeth, you know, <laughs> like your horse. You know, wait a minute, though, Craig. This is the thing. Soda pop. I, I, I just. This is the thing that drives me crazy. How in the world did you play twelve years in the NFL without a mouth guard? What are you talking about? What did you bite down on when you're when you're trying to hit somebody and move you them off? You better believe it, buddy. That's what the teeth, the chompers were for. That's why I could eat a twenty-four ouncer like with like finger food. You know what I mean? A little yeah, steak I've, action. Hey, listen, I saw you do this, and I know Soda Pop. You you know exactly what I'm talking about, Dale. You saw him do it as well. You sat down with a bucket of wings from Antonio's yeah. <laughs> in Orchard Park, New York, where we all grew up, and you ate the bucket of wings, and you did it just stripping the chicken wing. I'll never oh, yeah. forget that. And you still do that. That's how you lost your tooth, right? You know, you get a little older, you know, and a little more uh, vulnerable to having, you know, tooth malfunctions in the midst of, you know, having some great wings. And what can I say? I'm almost, I'm going to be 65 in May. Can you believe that? I mean. Look, no. Looking at you, yes. What's that? <laughs> looking at you, yes, I can believe that. Yeah. I'm going to be, no doubt I'm about be it. 60 next month. Okay, 60. I'm You're sorry. Right. Do you have any advice, Craig, on that? Any advice whatsoever in regard to to you know turning sixty? <laughs> Just wait for the other stuff to be start to malfunction. <laughs> Excellent. And moving along here, is that, 
<laughs> we are all from Orchard Park, New York. Right. A couple miles away from the Buffalo Bills Stadium. We grew up, we could actually hear the games for the loudspeaker because we never had any money yeah. to actually go to the games uh, until they, the second half when they opened up the gates and you could go watch them. And usually at that time we were getting killed. So it really didn't matter. But when you come from Orchard Park, and I'm going to go with you, uh, Pony Boy, in this. Tell me about Orchard Park. Tell me about all the things that you think yeah. of. What do you think of your hometown? Okay. Um, what people need to know right now is Orchard Park is built on a hill. Okay. It's built on a hill. And the higher up the hill you go, the more money you basically had, which is exactly why we lived below sea level on a dead end street that emptied into a gravel pit. And it, I, right now everyone's like, why are you speaking so metaphor? No, it isn't. That's literal right there. A dead-end street, 45 Hodson Road, that emptied into a gravel pit at the bottom of that hill in Orchard Park, New York. And I wouldn't have it any other way. Man, what, guys? We, we grew up in a 1,200-square-foot home, counting the basement. Counting the basement, a 1,200-square-foot home. Was that the bedroom. addition that Dad put on, you know, remember? The bathroom? Oh, Was yeah. That that? Maybe it yeah. went to 1,250. I think, yeah, I think it was 1,200, 1,250, whatever it was. All three of us boys grew up in a basement bedroom <laughs> that was like 10 by 10. It was not a big room at all. And you know what? I wouldn't have it any other way, man. I yep. would not have it any other way. Tight-knit well, family. I would because Craig always stole the fan. Okay, conditioning back then. We did, so, so, Derry, it's like, listen. We had bunk beds there with Ronnie and I. We had bunk beds. Of course, uh, he was on the top. I was on the bottom because I was the, the young one, and he took over. And there would be a, a swivel chair right in the middle of the room, and the fan would be pointed directly at Craig. Yeah. You remember that? Bony boy, remember that dairy oh, hat? Totally. Yeah, right totally. So we would, we would go ahead, and we would tie a string to the chair. Yeah. So when he's sleeping, what would we do, Bony? Go ahead and finish the story. We'd go ahead and we'd pull the fan towards us, that it would actually blow on us. And we wouldn't get that thing three inches moved toward us. And Greg would say, Ronnie, Dale, put it back. I, I mean, that's unbelievable. From a Dutch bed, too. The bed was built into the wall. Do you remember it? Yeah. It was a Dutch bed, whatever. I, I don't know what they called it, but it was perfect for you, Craig. <laughs> Like it's a little caveman-ish is what it was, yes. Raw now yeah, that's what it's about. What's your memories there, Craig? Oh, you know, I mean, the, the problem was you, you couldn't stand fully upright because the, the ceiling had donkey in the head when we were, you know, when we'd grown up, got over six foot. Um, you know, it, it's funny because they say, as Hoopy always told us, nobody on the Wolfley family side None of the guys were over six foot tall, but here we are, you know, three six foot plus guys, you know, together. And then we're in that little basement there and you donk your head when you wake up. And so you're always walking around hunched over and mom, you know, you go upstairs, mom saying, stand straight. Well, okay. But I just just had to like hunch over to get out of bed and be able to come out of the room. Right. So you say, stand straight. Well, if I'm in the room and I'm hunched over, then I can figure I can't stand straight. So it was always that sort of thing, you know, where you're, you're getting a direct, yeah, go ahead. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and not only that, too, guys. 
Um, you know what's so amazing? Orchard Park, New York, um, rich town. Would you guys call it a rich town? Would you say it's affluent? I would say That's Orchard good. Park. I would say so. No doubt about it. Uh, Orchard Park. They they basically had the Quakers and the Motorheads. <laughs> and I think for the most part, we were the Motorheads, no doubt about it. But we happened to play sports. And that really helped us out. The Quakers, of course, had all the money, doctors and lawyers, uh, kids. And then, of course, the Motorheads were sons of truck drivers like our, like ourselves. In a gross simplification of the truth, that seemed to be the way that it was. And it was that that made us all think of S.E. Hinton, who wrote the Outsiders, the book, The Outsiders, right? right. Because there were the the socias, and what was the other ones? I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic, man. Gaunches. The what? The gaunches. <laughs> you know, maybe we should have had a pre-production meeting before we actually came on the air today. <laughs> But once again, that that was Orchard Park, New York, right there. Yes, that, that sure was. And, you know, there's so many things. When you think about seven people, because we have two sisters, of course, mom and dad, and the three boys. So we had seven people, one bathroom, one bathroom, and three. Well, actually, four. But dad was over, you know, two twenty, two hundred twenty pounds. We were all up there in size and weight, and boy, did we just click. And it wasn't great all the time. It wasn't always wonderful. Uh, there's there's could be some in-house fighting, but it was always us being a family together yeah. and say anything we wanted about each other. But if anyone else said anything about any one of our family members, we're coming at you. <laughs> we're coming at you. And let me tell you something. In Orchard Park, when you come from, as you say, Pony Boy, below sea level. And only access to respect in this town growing up is if you can go out there in sports and be somewhat of an elite so that you can raise up. Because we were wearing Kmart $2 sneakers that two days later the glue was coming off and the, the stripes. I mean, that's just the way we grew up. And it was a great life. And I have no complaints whatsoever. In fact, I appreciate the fact that we had to work and I had to work for a living and, and do things. So regardless of that, so that is worship part. That is our beginnings. That is the makeup of who we are. Don't know how many people care about that, but it's important to us <laughs> because we know where we've come from. And I think that's affected our lives so much. Yeah. But I think for the most part, everybody understands that everybody gets that. You, you really, you, to understand where it is you may be going in your own life, where did it all start? I think for anybody that is watching this right now, anybody that is listening to this right now, you know exactly how true that is. It all starts with where you began. So much of your influence and how you were raised is um, the perception of the world through our eyes. And because of that, it's important where you started. Absolutely. No. Hey, Craig, I want to move on to this quick subject here with you. Uh, you're tonight at Acrisure Stadium for the Heroes uh, Project, I believe. Just quickly uh, talk yes. about it and how, long, how much you've been in, involved in that, because this is where we're from. And this is what's important to us. 
Well, this is important because here, here you go. You have the Steelers who are inviting in the local VA uh, veterans community. And they do it in conjunction with the VA. They want to get the guys together. They have what they call Heroes at Acrisure Stadium. Now, what they do is they have uh, some of the veterans come in, Vietnam vets, Afghanistan vets. They come in, they're on the field, and they have stations of uh, quarterbacking, you know, uh, receiving, kicking, uh, that sort of thing. And some of the Steelers come out and interact with the folks. They're throwing footballs. You know, you had Robert Spillane, a linebacker, uh, throwing footballs. You had uh, Isaiah Loudermilk, a big, strong defensive lineman. You know, he's out there throwing some balls. John Leglu, you know, there's some other ones. Uh, they All the guys that were there, it was they probably had um, seven, eight guys that were there. And it was tremendous. It's been like 14 years in a row the Steelers have done this. First, uh, the Heroes at Heinz, then so named, renamed uh, Acrisure. But it's all about bringing the veterans community out and also in conjunction, getting them in touch with some of the, the VA hospital community, because you know how it is. Um, you know, Faith and I, our son, Kyle Jacob, you know, he was an Afghan Afghanistan veteran. You know, I never understood the plight nor the sacrifice that our armed forces, men and women under uh, lived under until we had blood in the game. Then all of a sudden, when your child, your son or daughter is overseas on the, on the backside of the world somewhere, and you have no idea what's going on in their daily life, you know, and they are serving their country over there magnificently so. And each and every day, your heart goes up into your throat if you see a government vehicle come down the road or there's some uh, phone number on your phone that you don't recognize and you worry, is that bad news? Is that something? So, you know, to have the opportunity to go and, you know, hang out, throw some footballs, um, see the joy as the veteran community interacts with the Steeler community and have dinner together afterwards in the Great Hall, which I think is just magnificent. It's all about our armed forces, men and women who are so magnificent. And uh, we humbly and, and proudly, um, you know, want to interject and interact with them at any point in time with them to the, to the best that we can. Yeah, it yeah. still is. It's one of the greatest things, man, honestly. Um, you know, uh, Thank the Lord God in our lives, Amen. boys. But, um, man, we, we've all had a lot of success at the game of football. We, we have all experienced a lot of success. Yes. Thank you, Lord God, for that. Yeah. But um, you bring up Kyle Jacob, Craig, and yes. we all talk, all three of us talk about the greatest achievement of any Wolfley by far and away is Kyle Jacob. You know what I mean? What he's accomplished in his life. I'm not talking about him uh, being favored as opposed to anybody else of my nephews, nieces, whatever it may be. But I'm talking about as a Wolfley, what Kyle Jacob has done um, serving this country and um, being at West Point. It, I don't know about you guys, but I know um, it's just right in here, right in my heart. Right. And it feels so good, man. You know, the beautiful thing about it, I just want to jump in with this because, you know, our brother Tunchilkin that we lost, um, and he was the fourth Wolfley, you know, from the fourth Wolfley brother. Um, but he, he used to bag on me because, of course, you know, I had a certificate of attendance. I, you know, I, I was not a student. I was not academically inclined. As a matter of fact, I think, uh, I think Dale, you're the only one that amongst us got a degree, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> they got redshirted. 
<laughs> there you go. Here, here, uh, uh, Kyle, Kyle graduates West Point and he does with the uh, honors. And Tunch was like, he had a 4.1 or something like that at West Point. So Tunch goes, Wow, he says, when that apple fell from the tree, it didn't just land at the, by the tree, it landed <laughs> in the next valley over, didn't it? <laughs> That's man. fantastic, man. I'm going to tell you this, okay? There's only one thing that irritates me when Kyle Jacobs in the room. There's somebody smarter than me. Hey, <laughs> sort of pop that happens every day. You know, there's, there's no doubt. And, uh, can I can I throw this one? Do you guys remember when Thanksgiving years and years ago when we were together at Grandma Palmer's? The three of us sat down, played Trivia Pursuit, and it was 47 minutes before the first question was answered correctly. It was a long time. Uh, yeah, you. Well, you didn't even say the name of the game correctly. You said oh, yeah. Trivia Pursuit. It was <laughs> Trivial Pursuit. Whatever. Close okay. enough. Okay. I'm glad we're doing this show and talking about all the things that we are so successful at, especially when it comes to that academiacs that we are. (laughs) There's no joke that Kyle Jacob is probably one of the smartest uh, whoopies there because none of us, nobody else went to West Point. That's true. That's just a, a fact you can't ignore. So, we're gonna. We are here though to talk about football, right, Greg? You are the Steelers mm-hmm. color analyst, and you have, right, and you have been for the second year now. Of course, you already talked about Brother Tunch, uh, but you were up there and you were on the sidelines. I think for the past twenty plus years, you know, Pony Boy, uh, you've been with the Cardinals, and we'll let you guys talk about. It. But this family, you said we've been successful in football. And what football means to us, because it means so much, because it's still taking care of our families. It's still providing a living. As you said, thank you, Lord, because we all love this game. And this game means so much to us. And it's more than the NFL. It's more than college. It's more than peewee football, high school, whatever it is. It's the game of football. It's really the game of life in a lot of ways. And with the being the what we are and who we are, Let's get into some football. What do you say, boys? Sounds oh. good to me. Where are we starting? All right. This is where we're going to start because it kind of this weekend, there's a lot going on. And, you know, you made a comment last week, Derry, brother Craig, uh, about a lot of the stars, a lot of the, the big money guys. We're not playing in preseason. And what I think you saw, I'm going to let you both just rehash this as you watch the NFL this past week. What did you see sloppy of what you of everything? Well, here's the thing about it, and guys, we talked about this before, and I think there's there's agreement between the three of us. You know, preseason is always important. I know a lot of people don't like preseason games, but you know, the fact is that is where the young people build their skills and are able to show whether they're able to, you know, be part of a team. And, and each year that you, you come back, you have more preseason. You hone your skills because iron sharpens iron. You don't get your skills better by playing touch football, okay? You get your skills better by strapping up and having a go and being able to work your skills in as close to game speed as you can. Because remember, practice speed and practice conditioning are not practice or game speed and game conditioning. 
And that's what we saw unfold. Look, quarterbacks and, and, and teams basically that didn't play their starters, there was something like three and eight, I believe, Ron. That was yes. the you had. Look at all we had to do was watch the Rams and the Bills go at it. And you saw Matt Stafford really struggle. Josh Allen, and, and there's always exceptions. Trust me. Right. There's always guys. Some guys don't need Ben Roethlisberger was not a guy that needed a lot of tuna. Okay. He just naturally was able to do it. But the fact of the matter is, most guys, most teams, they need that preseason game. In Cincinnati, it showed up real quick. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, Joe just, Burrow. Joe Burrow just had issues right away. Two minutes and seventeen seconds into the game, Minka Fitzpatrick came out of nowhere and picked six them. Went thirty-one yards into the end zone. Kick started what has been typically, at least the last year, a slow starting Steelers offense. They only scored last year thirty-one. Or, I'm sorry, thirty-seven first quarter points total. Yeah, Zooks, that's that's nothing, right? So he gets things kick-started. But then you look at on the other end of it, too, with you know time, with the, the time running out and the, at the end of regulation, who saves the day again? Manker Fitzpatrick, he blocks the extra point. They go into overtime and they win. But you know what? I truly believe the Steelers played their starters in the preseason. Cincinnati only played one, one starter, and that happens to be Cordell Volson, who's a rookie left guard, who Cam Hayward, on the very first play from scrimmage, beat up, and then sacked Joe Burrow. So what's amazing about that, guys, once again, to add to what you're saying, Craig, is, yeah, they went three and eight. Um, there were 11 teams that didn't play their starters in the preseason. And once again, um, this is the way of the NFL. I think it's probably going this way. Should it? That's the question we'll ask, and that's what we'll talk about. But, you know, three and eight and two of those teams played each other, okay? So, once again, somebody was going to lose on that. There was really one team, ultimately, there was really one team that um, actually played or didn't play their starters that actually won in week one, and that was the Baltimore Ravens. (laughs) What do you think about it, all right? Because there were two teams that played each other in two different games. Somebody had to win that game, period. But um, five and nine. Does that number ring a bell to any of you guys in week one in the NFL? Five and nine. You know what that five and nine was? That was the record of playoff teams from a year ago. Five five and nine. Week one in the National Football League is a wild card, man. It really is. And the fact that so many guys are not playing in the preseason, so many starters are not playing in the preseason – Man, it makes it even more wild week one in the NFL. And you have to wonder, guys, is this going to change at all at some point in time? Is somebody going to say, wait a minute, you know what? Um, This is not the way to go. The best way to get better at football is to actually play football. We'll see. You know, I I think you're right, but there is a freak person that does not Go to there. Here's an exception. And of course, you have to go to the Buffalo Bills, and that would be Josh Allen. I believe Josh actually played two drives in the entire preseason, and his stats were incredible 84% completion percentage, 297 yards, 10 yards uh, per, uh, per attempt. He had uh, three passing TDs. He did have two picks, but one of them I know for sure was not really his fault, and he had 56 rushing yards. I mean, Josh Allen is a freak. 
Can you explain him? You know, I can only say this. I, I look at him in admiration, you know, because the young man's very talented, and he does remind me of a young Ben Roethlisberger. There ain't no doubt about it. Strong, powerful, can run over you, can run around you, can run away from you. A guy that can throw the ball so accurately, which, you know, he didn't start off as a rookie being able to throw with all that accuracy, but he's worked hard and diligently at it, applied himself, and look what he's done. And, and the Bills have done a great job of surrounding him with talent. I'm telling you, Buffalo, you got something special. It's not You don't need me to tell you that. That's for sure. But this young man has come along, and that team is going to be an extremely difficult one for anybody to beat because they've got a lot of weapons on that team. Yeah, let me just jump in here and say also, um, it's my belief, and you guys, you guys may or may not know this, but it is my belief that quarterbacks in the NFL today are not football players. They, they are quarterbacks. That's what they are. There's the quarterback club, and then there's actual football players who engage in the essence of trying to drive another man into the ground or physically best another man. Maybe I'm running a route. I'm just trying to physically be better than you are. Or maybe you're, I'm trying to cover you in a, in a press man technique, and I'm just trying to be physically and athletically superior to you. Uh, most quarterbacks today, as you know, my goodness, they're, they're in bubble wrap for the most part, out on the field. To me, there are quarterbacks, and then there are football players who engage in the essence of the game of football, which is to better another man and drive him into the ground, metaphorically speaking. Josh Allen, <laughs> he challenges my belief in that. Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, those two guys. But watching Josh Allen compete, that's the thing I love about this kid the most. The intensity, guys. In his eyes, the intensity behind that cage, the intensity that he plays the game with, and the physicality that he plays the game with, it's going to get him in trouble at some point in time. But I don't see this kid changing that mentality anytime soon. Well, with that being said, then, what is your take? Is this good football, smart football, or dumb football? I think you are who you are, you know? I mean, you take a look at this young man with this. Look at that straight arm. Look at Are him. you kidding me? You know, how many how many defensive backs are going to take a straight arm like Der- Like it's Derrick Henry, you know? I mean, remember Derrick Henry with that straight arm? He, it puts you right to the turf. But Josh Allen, in my mind, and I agree with what Ronnie said, but Josh Allen, in my mind, is a football player that happens to be a quarterback. Now, yes. where it'll change, where it'll change is when he starts to get up around years mm, eight, nine, ten, and then you know when the body's taking off blows, then it starts to alter a little bit, as it does with everybody who kind of advances in age. But right now, and that's why he's paid the big money right now because you lay it on the line, and he lays it on the line. Believe you me. But guys, at some point in time, I mean, if you're Sean McDermott, right, at some point in time, you're going to have to monitor how much he's running that ball because the way he runs it, guys, he's not looking to slide. Josh Allen is not, and I I love him for it because of how he's playing the mentality. Um, it's, It's Mike Linebacker playing quarterback. 
And the way he throws the ball, he's got the ability, of course, to progress in his game, to mature in his game, and to beat you with nothing but throwing the ball. He's going to be that guy one day. But right now, man, he is so physical running the ball. I don't think they want to take his aggressiveness away from him. But at some point in time, man, you're going to have to monitor how many shots he takes downfield. Well, let me just throw this out there. I'll throw this out. I'll, I'll go with the same thing that Mike Tomlin says. I'd rather say whoa than have to say sick of it. You know? I mean, that's an old football saying, isn't it? It is. It really is. I would rather have to say pull back on it, Josh, and we'll move from there than have to say, hey, you know, you can run on third and four or third and so three. So true. You know? you know, the one thing that I think stood out to me is they got this next generation stats with so crazy nowadays, but they had. Josh Allen, when he threw that 53-yard touchdown to Stephon Diggs, he was on the run, and he released that ball, and he was running 13.6 miles per hour. I mean, I don't think I could skateboard down the hill that fast. <laughs> you know, honestly. And he sat there, and he ran. He was running at that high speed, accurate enough to get that ball to him, accurate enough, uh, powerful enough, throw that ball before the defender caught up to Stephon Diggs. I mean, that's just freaky. It's, it's freakish. No doubt, Soda Pop. No doubt, man. Okay. But you know what? Well, here's what? the thing. Here's the thing, dude. Think about how he kept his eyes downfield. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of heavy hoofers coming after you. You know, you're weaving and, and zigging and zagging through the, the traffic in the pocket. And then, you know, you have no idea how close some of these guys are. Quarterbacks have a sixth sense after a while. You know, when the heavy heavy hoofers are breathing down their neck and everything. But I'm telling you what, I mean, to, for him to keep his eyes down the field, then go launch city while he's running 13 point whatever miles an hour, again, just speaks to the greatness that is Josh Allen. And not only that, too, I just want to say this quickly. Um, our Buffalo Bills, and that's what I say, our Buffalo Bills, because I root for three teams in the NFL, the Arizona Cardinals. I bleed Cardinal red. There's no doubt about it. I had my best years with the Cardinals. I was team captain. Six of the seven years I was with them, I went to four Pro Bowls with them. Yeah, you know what? I bleed Cardinal red. There's no doubt. At the same time, I root for the Steelers. Obviously, because of Craig, I root for the Steelers. I always like to see them do good as long as they're not beating the Cardinals in the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> that's that's for another time, bro. We'll talk about that. That's another that. story. Exactly right. Um, but I, And I root for the Buffalo Bills. And I know we all do because we're from Orchard Park, New York, where the stadium is built. It doesn't get more Buffalo Bill than right there in Orchard Park, New York. And um, to see this team play the way that they did physically, and manhandle the Los Angeles Rams. This is a team I know very, very well, obviously, in the NFC West, playing the Rams twice a year, seeing them for long, as long as I have seen them. Sean McVay, my goodness, don't get me started on that. Aaron Donald, of course, run for your lives. There'll be dragons here. You know, all of this. And to see the Buffalo Bills manhandle them the way that they did, hey, boys, Buffalo's going to be real good. Yeah, I got to tell you a quick story. You mentioned Aaron Donald, who's from Pittsburgh, from Penn Hills, right? Years ago, I was doing 
local TV high school game of the week. Who do we have? We had Penn Hills. Now I'm watching as a junior kid named Aaron Donald. He might have been even a sophomore. They're triple teaming him, and he's still beating the pants off the offensive lineman. And I remember he picked up a fumble, and he went 60, 70 yards for a touchdown. And I, I said on the air, this is true because Aaron even reminded – we even talked about it after a game one time. You know, I said, you know what? We might see this young man on, playing on Sunday someday. It's the only time I ever said – and you say that as a nice compliment. Little did you know what you were talking about. The great Aaron Donald, you know, after he goes 70 yards and, and you know, beating triple team blocks and everything else. He was he's amazing player, amazing young man. Well, might as well have just ran to Canton. <laughs> well, yeah. I'll tell you this, yeah. but Ray, you are truly a great judge of talent. That must be really <laughs> oh, <yeah. difficult. laughs> That's real hard to figure when you got one guy trying to be blocked by three guys and he's whooping the three guys. All right. Listen, we got to move on here because the Steelers had a big, big victory over those Cincinnati Bengals that you were talking about. But there's one thing I saw this uh Pony boy, that ball digger actually said to you this clip. I think it's Jalen Ward here. You guys got to watch this. This is pretty impressive. When you see him here, you're going to see him block right up there. Just look at that. I mean, I'm so, big. I, I'm so interested to hear about Jalen Ward. Well, first of all, the first thing it th- I thought of was Ronnie in his heyday. You know, <laughs> back in the day when, 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 you know, we'd be, you know, on Mondays or Tuesdays, I'd be at the Steelers' offices, right? And they'd, I, they'd say, hey, 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 Greg, you got to come see what your brother Ronnie did, you know? And there'll be somebody on the defense, the linebackers coach or defensive line, they'll say, watch what your brother does. Steps up and El Kabong somebody, knockout <laughs> here, uh, heat-seeking missile, everything. But that's what I thought of when I saw Jalen Warren take on Jermaine uh, Pratt from uh, – uh, from the Bengals, right? I mean, he just stepped up, put his eyebrows right in the grill of this guy and popped him. And I'm telling you, he took him off his feet. That's a 6'2", 250-pound man that he took on and almost knocked him out. That's the way football was meant to be played. And that was just a great job by the young Jalen Warren, who's an undrafted free agent from Oklahoma State, comes in, and he has secured himself the backup position to um, – Najee Harris, and it was just a great job there. What what does Jalen bench? I mean, seriously, how how much does this guy weigh? He's about he's two fifteen. He's like five eight, two fifteen. Oh. It's amazing, and yet he's, he's got all that strength. Yeah, he's a squat monster. You know who he remind me of? Robert Newhouse. You remember the great Robert oh, Newhouse yeah. oh, with yeah. like thirty four inch thighs, and although he's yeah. a, a squat monster. That's kind of what I thought of when I saw Jalen Warren, too, you know, is just Whoa. the fact this guy is so strong and he comes under and up. And what, what I mean, Chuck Noll, Chuck always used to say under and up, under and up wins, low leverage, rising blow, all that stuff. It's just what he did. What a knockout. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to tell you this. I watched him in Oklahoma State. He, he, he ran. He's always 100-plus yards against the Mountaineers. Uh, always, always that. And just tough to bring down, especially when you spread out and you get that 10 personnel, you spread the field, and you're using the whole field. I mean, really, he was really tough. He's kind of like a bowling ball, and people couldn't really oh. hit him from straight on. Like You'd have to get a glancing blow on him. And with those powerful legs we talk about, he would run right through those arm tackles because nobody could ever really get square at him. 
And that's how Oklahoma State used him a lot. But, you know, when, when you're that young and, and you're not afraid to do that, uh, no. you're going you're gonna to get a lot of respect from, from your teammates. Like you guys, you're like loving that. Yeah, not only that, too, guys. I mean, stop and think about this. Um, I know you two guys as offensive linemen, you tackled nobody. <laughs> you tackled like nobody. Um, and I don't want to hear about the interception, the guy that intercepted a ball and ran down, and you guys ta- you guys tackled nobody. All right? Now, as a special teams guy, but please call me a transitional technician, boys. Call me a transitional technician. If we have waste management officers, I want to be called a transitional technician, not a special teamer. Okay? <laughs> Look at little Ronnie Wolfley run down the field as fast as he possibly can. Don't you want to be like Ronnie Wolf? No. Don't call me a special teamer. Call me a transitional technician. But I will I will tell you right now, when you got a guy that is that low to the ground, you're telling me he's 5'8", 215 pounds? Have you ever tried to tackle a dude who's 5'8", 215 pounds? It's it's like tackling a fire hydrant with ears, man. It's a very difficult proposition, especially because you can't get under him. You can't get under a guy that's that small and that stout. Watching the explosiveness, the, the, the strike up. Um, man, that kid. That kid's got a little something to him. Now, let me just, I want to argue a little bit about this, never tackled anybody. Let me remind you, dear brother Ron, in 1980, when the Steelers opened their season home in Three Rivers against the Houston Oilers, we kicked off. You know who was L3 on that kickoff? Moi. You know who made the tackle on that kickoff? Moi. Okay? Stop it. Oh, yeah. Go back and check the film. Check the records. Opening kickoff at home, Three Rivers, L3. The kid got it done. Thank you. Oh, so my I have, goodness. I have one thing to ask you, that is, how long did that last? <laughs> well, you know, the only thing I can tell you is when they ran the films, it was, it was – I heard I heard some people saying, you know what, Wolfley's so slow, he was – everybody else got blocked. They forgot to block him. <laughs> yeah, correct. Well – we're waiting. We're waiting. Um, I played all four special teams my rookie year. Oh yes. my goodness, man! Now, That's was I was I as good as you? No, <laughs> you were in the Pro Bowl. I wasn't. I was an alternate at my specific job. You know, that's listen, it. I made the all alternate team. Yeah, listen. Um, you know, if you ever need my condo out in Hawaii, let me know. <laughs> well, I do. <laughs> I'll take advantage of that. Absolutely. If, only I, if only I had one. <laughs> well, that is beautiful. Just remember this, Craig. Facts are facts on special teams. Pody Boy was a pro bowler, but you got Kyle Jacob because he's West Point. There you go. So, right. Facts are facts. And that, uh, that's your, your good stuff. Hard man. facts. Bam. So, exactly. Hard facts. You can't argue with them. But what I want to argue, maybe – or maybe we all agree on this, is Von Miller kind of made a, a big statement about Leonard Fournette's block. It was a chip block uh, coming in. The, the, the uh, speed guy was rushing around. Right. He edged the tackle, and Fournette came up. Have you seen this, Pony? Go yeah. ahead. And I want to hear what your thoughts are that this should be out of the game. Yeah, it's a chip block. What are you talking about right there? I mean, that that is what I did for many, many years. 
I don't believe that that chip block hit him in the face. I think he hit him in the shoulder. That's what you do. You try to slow down. It's just amazing. Um, the civility that is trying to take over the game of football. They're trying to legislate this stuff too. It's not a safe game. I mean, first of all, guys, you got to take the head out of the equation. CTE is real. It is real. You have to take it out of the equation. And I think they've done a great job coaching from, from Pop Warner all the way up in regard to training you to take the head out of the equation. Um, but the physicality and going out and playing with that physicality and learning how to hit people super hard without your head, um, this should be the future of the NFL because this game is physical. It's always going to be physical. No matter how much you try to legislate the civility inside the game, it's always going to be an unsafe game to play because people are going to get hurt on the football field. Um, a chip block? Are you kidding me? As long as you're not jettisoning yourself into the guy's helmet? Um, come on, man. Bone up. That's exactly the point. You know, it's still part of the game. The NFL is still the NFL, you know, uh, I agree with you, Ryan. I know that they got to take the head stuff out of the game. And, you know, the, the practicality of it is that you got to learn the techniques differently. I mean, you know, you look at some of the coaches, they bring in rugby coaches to teach how to tackle, you know, rugby style so that you drag down tackles rather than the opposing force tackles. And there's a whole myriad of techniques and ways of trying to alter the game. But at its heart and at its essence and what we all love, I know both of you felt the same way I did. What drew us to the game? The sheer violence. That's what we loved. That's that's everything that was, you know, drawing us to the game because of what you could do on a Saturday or Sunday would get you in trouble on Monday, you know? I mean, so the fact of the matter is we enjoyed and loved the, the physicality of what they did. We weren't meant to be, I don't know, geniuses or something. We were just, we were just ball players, kids from Orchard Park who had bigger dreams than we had talent. And God gave us the desires of our heart from young guys. And, you know, it was just, fun growing up that way and, and fun ultimately playing the game that we wanted to play. Wow. We're not geniuses. <laughs> really? Okay. I'm speaking for myself. Okay. You know, I, I just really wanted to make sure, uh, I made sure everybody heard that over again. The Wolfie boys apparently are not geniuses. Although not only can you play in between the white lines, you can actually call, a game in between the white lines. And speaking of that, let's talk about your your times in the booth. You know, it, it's it's got to be pretty cool. Two Wolfley brothers that are color analysts, two Wolfley brothers uh, that are in the NFL color analysts. And then you have myself, who's made a living in the broadcasting for 10 years at WVU, and, and it's still going and still, and here we are, Three Wolves of Football. Once again, a little bit of branding. The Three Wolves of Football. But tell me what you think about being in the box, seeing the game, where you've come from, all those good things. Give me some Give me some red meat. Let, let me just say this quickly right here. I, I am. Um, obviously, God plays such a huge part in our lives. Thank you, Lord Amen. Jesus, for what you've done for us. Um, but I have to tell you, I, I, it is one of the things I'm so thankful for is the fact that I get to go up there and actually talk about the game that we love, man, the, the essence of the game. 
Um, God created us all with a primal side. And if you don't believe me, try to take a baby from a woman's arms. Try to, try to take a baby from a mother's arms and you watch somebody get primal on your butt, right? We're, we're all created with that ability to be primal inside of us. And it was so cool to be able to walk in between those white lines and know that you could act like a complete savage and it was okay. It was all right. It was encouraged. You could tap into that primal side and have at it and how beautiful it was to walk outside of those white lines, love people and respect people and treat them better than yourself. Guys, we've talked about this before. I don't think it gets any better as a man and we'll continue to talk about it going forward. But when I put those headsets on up in the booth on game day, I, I, I don't look like this anymore, man. I'm not fat in 59. I'm 24 again with 8% body fat. And I can almost see the eye black streaking down my cheeks when I put those headsets on and start talking about the game that we love, the game of football, man. So for me... What a blessing that has been. I just absolutely love it. To be able to be old and tap in to the game of football and all of those memories, that's beautiful. Oh, it is. You know, I remember as a young boy, I was seven years old. You guys have heard this story. But I talked to Hoopy, Hoopy, our mom. And for whatever reason, you know, it was just so imbued in me. I I was going to be a pro football player. I told Hoopy. I said, you know, I said it on the side, didn't, you know, nobody else. I said, you know, I said, Hoopy, I'm going to be a pro football player. And I remember, I remember she was like, okay, okay, you know, I mean, why? But, you know, it, it was just, it was instilled by God in me. You know, we, we went to a brethren chapel, a, a small brethren assembly, great people. Grew yes. up in Blaisdell Gospel Chapel, it was tremendous, right? But, you know, there was some yayas we had to get out. We were all, all three of us, you know, we were all built for high speed collisions. You know what I mean? It was just, that's the nature that God put in us. And, you know, we, we lived it out and, and football was a way of expression, expressing those, those mm-hmm. uh, desires to go out and be in, you know, aggressive and everything else. It's like you said, you know, Ron, when we step over that white line, man, it was able he just cut it loose and it was great, you know? And yet at the same time, you could, as dad always used to say, you know, it's fine. You flip that switch. You step over that line and flip that switch, son. But when you come back the other way, you flip that switch back and you shut it down, you leave the game on the field and you be a gentleman off the field. And that's the way we were raised. You know, that, that's really good. It, it, I feel the same way that you guys do. I love listening to you talk and I get fired up because, you know, I used to like to hit myself. And the one thing that I wanted to to do with this show would be to show like what football was like back in the day. Because coming from, obviously we are older than the younger age and the game has changed. doesn't mean it's a bad change or everything is bad. There's things that are good and bad about all of it but we can appreciate this game. And 
now that I have to quit this session, this is our first episode of the Three Wolves of Football. It's really cool. But I want to do something before we go, and that is going to be that we're going to call it the Mulligan segment. Okay? <laughs> that you get a second chance from the week before. Like last week we were doing the ads, advertising some clips. So you actually get a mulligan to redo. It's a redo. Okay. Because, you know, the Wolfleys, we're going to need, I mean, fact, fact checkers, you know, we're not only the best in fact checkers. We're not the best in Sometimes we don't even listen to the question. Okay. So we answer what we want to answer. And, and so my thing is this. In this mulligan that we're going to do this, I want to know is, do you want to take the mulligan before you even know what the issue is, or do you want to double down on what you said the week before? Okay. Ooh. This week. I can't remember what I said yesterday, well, even this morning on the radio show. So, I mean. So, my thing to you, Brother Craig, Terry, is you are the winner this week for you picked that door. Okay, which one do you want? Do you want to take the mulligan or do you want to redo to the question? Um, you know what? I'm feeling pretty, uh, you know, I'm feeling pretty ornery. Let's double down, baby. Let's go. Let's okay. rock. Well, we're going to double down because I think that the question was fairly simple. Okay, but let's go ahead and let's watch and listen. All right, when you go on the road, Derry, like today, what's your choice of dinner? tonight well um i i pretty much hole up in the hotel i like to spend the night focusing getting ready as i did when i was a player i didn't want to go out i didn't want to do a lot of stuff man i you know the thing about it is when you walk that zone up to kickoff the night before and the next day uh i just wasn't i didn't want to be around normal people all right actually this isn't a job interview Uh, You can get yourself a big old steak because, you know, it wasn't about what's your routine. Uh, Okay. What do you eat when you go on the road? Well, you know, I will tell you this, okay. Uh, We were in Cincinnati. I went to the player's chapel. All right. Then I went and ate in the player's dining room. And I had a couple of burgers. And I had uh, some uh, some nice veggies, you know, trying to do the the right thing when you're in your 60s, you know. So I I ate a bunch of stuff. And no, I didn't eat the customary cherry cheesecake that I used to eat. The last thing I would eat every Saturday night before a game or Wednesday night before a Thursday game, I'd have some cherry cheesecake because you got to have your carbs, right? I mean, you got to eat some carbs, right? So there you go. That would be my normal as when I was playing ball. Craig, I don't know what you're talking about, man. I mean, I, I don't know about you boys, but have you noticed the cheeks are not nearly as full? I mean, have you noticed they're they're really not that full right now? I mean, 18 pounds, boys, 230 pounds. Do you believe that? Look, this coming from 248, when I was at the doctors, the doc told me, is hip around here? Are we violating any HIPAA rules or anything like that? Um <laughs> The doc told me, hey, Ron, you got to lose 15 pounds. Hey, doc, I've lost 18. (laughs) You showed that doctor. Anyways. You're you're returning to a pencil neck status. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Just so you know, anything that happens in these shows from this point on will be subject the next week to a mulligan. 
Uh, okay. And we're all subject to it. Uh, I mean, I hit the wrong button for crying out loud. <laughs> my tremendous. Mulligan for your mulligan. You hit the that mulligan in the mulligan segment. All right. Hey, well, listen, brothers, that's the first one. Uh, I, I know we got to get going. Uh, we got some busy schedules that we, we put together, but this is really awesome. This is fun. And I think it's really informative to a lot of people for the knowledge that we had to share about the game that we have so much passion for, so much love, so much that we want to share with others and, and know what we know. Yeah, indeed. And the last thing I'll say is love you guys. You guys, we've always been the tightest of the tight. And uh, I can't say enough about how much I enjoy doing this with you. And to all the folks out there, anybody, if you, uh, you know, so if you do us, uh, you know, uh, the honor of uh, paying attention, listening to some of these episodes, we appreciate you and thank you so much. Well said, brother. Is that it? But you've been quiet to your life. You're not going to finish? <laughs> No, as a matter of fact, I thought Craig said it well right there. So we're going to um, finish. You know I lost 18 pounds will be your, your ending. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, seriously, this is this has been fantastic. And yeah. I, I love you guys. And to see your faces and to know that we're going to be able to do this on a weekly basis, man. I got to tell you, I'm jacked up. Forget about anything. But just the relationship um, that we have in the bond that we share, um, guys, this is this is going to be something I look forward to every week. But I say this also, and just saying this and signing off, Ronnie. You know, ever since you lost your weight, I didn't realize you had a five head. Holy God, he had a big bread, man! Did you notice it keeps going up, man? It keeps going up. The yeah, flat top just yeah. keeps going up. Hey and Dale, we, we could we could rent that out for advertising. Hey, Craig, Craig, get, Craig, get a tooth, okay? Get a get a tooth. <laughs> Do it for us, okay? Get a tooth, soda pop. Take your hat off, all right? And let's go. I mean, let's broadcast. I am now. Listen, that's it. There's only one way that we're not coming back next week, and that's if people think we sucked. Uh, <laughs> you know, that right. That being said, sign up. Three Wolves of Football. You bet. Love you, brothers. Love you guys, man.